Welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast with Reg and Buckets. Uh, I'm Reg, and as always, I'm joined by Buckets via Zoom. Buckets, how are you? I'm very well, very well. Happy to be back. Yes, back for episode seven and one of the better ones in, in recent times because we have some basketball to watch again. And we've had some play good games, some good games to get us started too. Yeah, I think the nice. NBA couldn't have, couldn't have asked for a better start on oh. opening night. So good, so good, and it, and it continues um, a few few big games today as well. So it's um, it's great, it's great to uh, to have some NBA back. And even one thing that surprised me, I guess, from the outset was the standard has picked up quite a fair bit from those scrimmage games, which looked very ugly. Um, sort of now that the games sort of mean something, have they've they've picked it up pretty quickly, which which is pretty impressive considering the long layoff. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think it's a, it's amazing once there is something to play for. How just that the mental um, side of the game and the mental attitude flips the switch, um, and even though not having the crowds and things there, that that competitiveness of players. Once there's a winner and a loser, and and um, actual standings and records and and stats are getting taken and things like that, um, they, they switch into game mode pretty quick. So that was good to see. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so I thought what we would do is um, obviously we had some big games obviously opening night and then um, on the second day of uh, the, the restart. So I've just picked four games um, that um, I thought we would go through and just sort of have a look at. So we're going to have a look at the Lakers versus Clippers, the Pelicans versus Utah, Rockets versus Dallas and the Portland-Memphis game um, and just sort of have a bit of a discussion about our takeaways from the game. So I thought we'll start with the first game um, that was played, the Pelicans versus Utah, um, and just get your thoughts on your your takeaways from from the first game of the restart. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed the game. I was pretty annoyed that the uh, the Pelicans didn't get over the line. I sort of felt like they played well for like you know ninety eight percent of the game, and then had that little lapse and and sort of let um, you know Donovan Mitchell and these guys who, who weren't having their best games sort of get a couple of buckets and um, that sort of you know got them right back into it and for for the Pelicans it's obviously very disappointing because um, they they need every win they can get you know to, to at least stay around that eight seed so that they they're eligible for the playing tournament at, at the very least um, but obviously it'd be better if they could sort of secure that that eight seed just through these eight games if, if that you know can occur. Um, so it's sort of one that got away um, from them. Uh, JJ Reddick said after the game, he was pretty pissed off that it ended the way it did because they worked so hard and were so close. Um, and just on JJ Reddick, he was getting and ones and everything. This dude's just a shooter. Yeah. <laughs> and he was... I, I'm, I'm thinking this is really unprecedented times. JJ Reddick is getting and ones. <laughs> like there is something going on. Drive an addition and I was like, wow. Um, and then obviously Zion's minutes restriction was annoying um, and, and the way it was sort of handled that he was not there in, in crunch time when it was needed. But obviously BI had a good look and just couldn't couldn't knock it down for the game. It would have been, would have been a great way to start had that have gone in, you know, game winner in the first game. Um, but yeah, a little bit disappointing. But um, obviously the, the the other game that we'll touch on is, is Memphis lost to the Blazers. So that's that's a win for the Pelicans given they lost. What did you think so, about that that game? Yeah, just yeah, just on that, um, you mentioned Zion's minutes restrictions. What what are your thoughts on how um, Alvin Gentry um, handled that? 
Yeah, look, I, at first I was a bit annoyed. Um, I thought that, you know, he, he should have managed it so he could have been there late in the game. Um, but then I listened to an interview with, um, um, oh, what's their president or GM's name? Uh, Griffin, Griff. is it? Yeah, yeah, Griff. From Cleveland, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was talking about um, uh, the reason why he was on a minutes restriction because he had to leave the bubble um, and came back in and there was 13 days or something of, of practice or competition that he missed and they just wanted to be a bit careful given his, obviously, the fact that he's, you know, the, the face of of the NBA in the future and, and particularly of the Pelicans as long as they can keep him. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they were just trying to trying to manage that. He he did sort of dodge some questions about the when the minutes were played and how they could have been played at, at different times of the game. Um, I get that Zion might have been a bit gassed, a um, little bit underdone, given that he missed some time. But if it were me, I I need to give him you know leave a couple of minutes up my sleeve for that for that last little bit bit of time because he he can get you a bucket with ease and his presence out there is. Um, is so important. So it was frustrating to me, I guess. And I didn't realize at the time that he was on a minutes restriction. So I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, why is this? And he was sitting on the bench looking like he was pretty pissed off too. And it's like, what's going on? Like, why is he out there? So um, it's one of those situations where, you know, he's either, I even thought, shit, he's, he's bloody got an injury or something, or he's um, he's on a, on a restriction of some sort. So a bit disappointing. And I think it could have been, uh, could have could have helped if he was in there, say the last two or three minutes. Um, but yeah, what's happened has happened. So they've just got to try and get it back now. Uh, they had a, a big loss today to the Pelicans too, which after uh, the Clippers today, which doesn't help. But um, yeah, they, they did get blown out, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They just got to hang in there. They just got to hang in there. Otherwise, you know, it's got to be a rain for that playing tournament. That's that's what I want to see with them. What did you What did you think about the game and, and about Zion's um, minutes? Yeah, so in terms of Zion, so I think whenever you've got a player that's got minutes restrictions, um, I think you have to go into the game with a clear plan, um, not only from a coaching perspective, but from the playing group perspective. Um, so if, if I was Zion's teammate, I would want to know, okay, he's on a minutes restriction, he's got to play 15, 20 minutes, whatever the case may be, okay, uh, this is the plan. We're going to be playing him. So let's say it's a 15-minute restriction. He'll play three minutes in the first, three minutes in the second, three minutes in the third, um, three minutes in the fourth, um, for example. Um, and we'll play them at the start of the quarter. So as teammates, you know, okay, we've got Zion for, for this part, and then then we know it's, it's on us. Um, so I think that would have played into it a bit um, from um, Alvin's point of view that, when the game got closed down the stretch, he's probably sitting there thinking, gee, I would love to have Zion out there. But I've, I've given this plan to the playing group. If I then turn around and, and put Zion in down the stretch, to me, that's all that's saying to the teammates is, well, we don't trust you to get the job done. This was the plan going into the game. Now we're changing that plan because the game's closed. So... You know, we've got to bring this guy in because we don't trust that you guys can get it done down the stretch. So I think he's gone in with a clear plan to say, we're going to play Zion this part of the game and then we're going to trust B.I. down the stretch. He's going to be our guy and we've got to, we've got to go with that. Win, lose or draw, we need to continue on that plan or it's just going to cut his confidence out from under him. Um, and, you know, if that shot goes down, it, it goes in and out. If he makes that three... Everything's all happy days. Yeah. So um, I think from from that perspective, they had a clear plan. 
you know, if it was me coaching, I, I would play the minutes where you had Zion down the stretch. But I can understand him probably thinking, well, let's put him in early in the game, in early in quarters, and then we'll ride BI late in quarters. Um, and, you know, they unfortunately let that one go. I hope it doesn't come back to bite them um, mm. in terms of trying to get into that plane because obviously they got blown out by the Clippers. Um, so that, you know, it makes it hard. Um, but as you said, Memphis losing does help. So um, in terms of the game, I thought it was, I think it was, it was a really good um, moment that Rudy Gobert scored the first bucket. You know, yeah. to have obviously everything happened, um, the criticism he copped um, being obviously the catalyst to, to shutting the season down. And it was nice that he, he scored the first bucket with the restart and we can all move forward now and um, enjoy some, some basketball. So I thought that was, that was nice. Um, I only could listen to parts of the game. I was driving, so I didn't get to see a lot of um, the actual action, um, just listening to it. Um, and it sounded like a, a normal sort of opening game, you know, some some good plays here and there, so obviously some rust. Um, I think Lonzo Ball shot the ball pretty poorly um, at times. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it, was, it was good to get back into it and, and see the players um, running up and down the floor again. So... Um, we might move it on um, to the next game of opening night, the big one, the Lakers versus the Clippers. So what were your biggest takeaways from that game? Yeah, so really good game. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought um, uh, uh, very early that uh, Paul George looked as good as I've seen him in a long time. And I know he's had, I think he's had surgery on one or both shoulders um, recently. So... I think that the break for him allowed him to to get fully healthy because he was moving and shooting and everything a lot better than I've seen him probably be since his Indiana days. Um, and obviously he's had a range of issues sort of since then. Um, so that was sort of st- stood out to me first. Um, and then AD just beasting early, very, very early and just doing it, look, making it look so easy. Um and, and very efficient too. He wasn't taking bad shots. Um, he had a lot of free throws. I can't remember how many he had, but it was he had eight in the first quarter or something. Like he was getting fouled quite a fair bit and putting pressure on their bigs um, who just had no chance, no chance. Um, and then, uh, you know, the game sort of went along. The, the role players from the Lakers were struggling a little bit, um, but then they sort of got a little bit of, bit of help um, and guys started to find a little bit of effort to sort of just keep themselves around. Um, and then obviously down the stretch, LeBron made that big um, or missed that shot, got his own board, put it back in, um, and then a, just a ridiculously bad offense slash good defensive <laughs> last um, last uh, possession there. So LeBron basically shut down Kawhi that he had no chance, and then Paul George threw up what was probably one of the worst shots um, of the game. But again, a look, and it just didn't go down. So to have two. Um, Two game winners on two potential game winners on opening night. Um, you know, there's not much more you can ask of. And I actually thought the, the standard of that game was was pretty good, and it's, it's it excites me for what's to come uh, when we get to the playoff series. Um, and yeah, everyone's back. Hopefully, everyone's healthy, and we can we can really really go at it. Um, I thought JR Smith's minutes were up and down. There was some good JR, and there was some bad JR. <laughs> But I think that's <laughs> that's to be expected when you haven't played in so long. Um, he had some shocking fade away from the corner, hit the corner of the backboard, and was just like, "Wow!" 
Um, but then otherwise, his spacing was pretty solid. And I actually thought um, Dion Waiters provided some solid minutes as well off the bench um, for a guy who hasn't really played much since he had his suspensions and bits and pieces in Miami and was obviously let go. And then Lakers picked him up just before sort of everything... Uh, everything went down, so they didn't really. He didn't really have an opportunity to sort of, you know, show what he could, what he could do off the bench. Um, so I thought he he made some nice plays, and that it was just, it was just the two duos, wasn't it, going at it, LeBron and, and AD versus versus Kawhi and um, and Paul George. So um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was probably the best game I've watched of the restart thus far. What did um, what did you think? Yeah, so it was it was really good to see. I've been obviously looking forward to this game ever since the, the fixture was released. Um, and I thought it gave us a really good insight to, to, I think, what the Western Conference Finals will look like if both those teams make it. Um, all the things that we've spoken about up until that game, I think you could see that's what's going to define this series. It's going to be those games within games. Like we saw, okay... You got the two co-stars that really played well. Both Paul George and AD both had really good games, um, so they were sort of going at it. You know, Kawhi and LeBron both had below-par games for their high standards, um, so they sort of cancelled each other out there. Um, and then we got to see, okay, the difference in the game is what what are these role players going to do? So you had, um, you mentioned Dion Waiters had some some um, nice buckets, Kyle Kuzma. Um, and then on their oh, side, Kuzma. you look at yeah. um, a guy like Patrick Beverly hit a couple of threes late in that game. So, you know, that's, I think that's what excites everyone to see is there's going to be so many storylines to, to these games and, and what the differences are. Um, you know, the, all the talk is that they've got no answer for AD. I think we saw that, that, you know, they, they've got no, no chance of stopping him. Um, it's then, okay, what are they going to do to combat that um, and, and be able to still produce, you know, they've still got um, Lou Williams to come back and Montres Harold. So, you know, guys are looking at that in terms of, well, Lakers only won by two points without those two guys. So they think Clippers are in a good position. Um, on the other side of that, you see, well, LeBron only really played well for one quarter of that game. Um, so there's obviously a fair bit of improvement there. Uh, so it, it's you, you just hope that that's going to be the Western Conference Finals because there's so many storylines in in between those two teams. Um, and I think you're right in terms of the way Paul George is playing. Like I think even today he went eight of nine from three yep. Um, yep. in three quarters. You know he's looking every bit the you know top ten player in the league that we all thought he was going to be before he, he had that. Um, you know obviously broke his leg and you know, he's at the top of his game now. So you know, if, you, if, if we could have a series where Kawhi and LeBron are at the top of the game, AD and Paul George are at the top of their game, and then it's down to those role players, you know, it's going to be one of the best playoff series um, I think we're, we're going to see in a long time. But the thing that, that, that I really, the most enjoyable thing out of that game was the defense. You know, oh. I think we spoke about it um, a couple of podcasts ago about if I had to pick someone to, to get a stop at the end of a game, I'm taking LeBron every day of the week. And I, that's what was on show in that game. I, I get so frustrated watching LeBron sometimes with the pick-and-roll game that um, all NBA teams run with where you know a guy won't even touch you and they'll switch on the pick-and-roll just because it's the easy thing to do. Whereas I want to see them fight through the screen and stay on the best players. And we yep. saw that probably half a dozen times um, in, this, in this game on, on Kawhi where... 
they tried to get the pick and roll and LeBron's like, no way, fights through it to stay on him and just guards him the whole play and makes him give up the ball. And we saw that on the last play as well, where guards Kawhi, makes him give it up and then jumps out onto Paul George, which we normally don't see. You normally see them just let the switch happen and then they go and stand in the corner. So I hope LeBron continues that on because that, to me, you know, it's not the chase down block. It's not the in the lane steal and things like that. It's just that good, solid move your feet. Don't overreact on the pump fakes and, and the moves and just guard him the whole possession and make him give up the ball. That, to me, on a guy like Kawhi, is that's what's going to win the series. You know, being able to take that challenge on and say, Kawhi, everyone's saying you're the best, you're the reigning finals MVP, but I'm going to stop you every chance I get on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, it's, I, I love that because it, it shows that, no, 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 I got him, I got him. You know, let's let we're not when as you say, ninety nine percent of the time they switch. That's just the way the NBA yep. is. It's this highly switched, positionless defensive schemes. There's a reason why those two teams and um, Milwaukee um, are, are the the best defensive teams or up there in in terms of the defensive numbers in the league because they don't just switch every time. That's not the way they play. Yep. They make you accountable. That is my man. I will play him as much as I can. You know. I'll fight through screens. Yep. I'll, I'll do whatever. And it was what was amazing is, uh, uh, in contrast to the game we're going to talk about in a minute with the Rockets and, and the Mavericks was, <laughs> it was it was so good to watch from a defensive standpoint, like, yep. and everyone loves offense, but to watch these guys work on the defensive end and make these things difficult was like wow. These there's a reason why these teams are so good, you know, and, and why yep. we want to see them go at it because this is like who can defend, you know, slightly worse than the other one because we're both such good defenders. It's not who can score more, it's who can defend slightly worse. Like, it's, That's right. It's, it's, not, it's not the way the game is played majority of the time and that's what makes yep. it so unique, I think, because the game nowadays is, is more offensive-minded, get quick shots up in transition, heavily switch in, everyone can guard everyone, you know, we, we're not dumping it down to the big fella, even though there might be a mismatch, that's just not the game anymore. Whereas these two teams were sort of picking apart, you know, no, 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 if, they, if we're going to switch and we're going to get, you know, AD guarded by someone smaller, we're going to get the ball into him, you know, we're going to play that, that mismatch style of, of basketball and make these guys not be able to switch, you know, they're going to have to yep. fight through these screens and so I loved it, I thought that side of it was so good and you're right, it was it was refreshing to see um, uh, LeBron, these guys like, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to take somebody else on defense so that I can rest myself for offense or or, vi- or vice versa with Kawhi. It's no, no. no. I want to play against him. You know, that's. Yeah. I want to. That, that's the way we're going to win. And um, I think it was a, a a tease of what's to come, which has me really excited. Yeah, and I wonder if um, not having a crowd there plays a part. You know, because it's it's almost back to the idea. Okay, we're just two teams in a gym. And it's, okay, ego versus ego, pride versus pride. So, you know, there's not the 20,000 people in the stands and the celebrities in the front row and the cameras all down on the baseline and things like that. So it's more just that feel of, okay, you think you're better than me. I think I'm better than you. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to try and score on you, you know. Um, I wonder if that plays a part into the, the psyche, you know, especially for a guy like LeBron who probably his biggest weakness is the fact that he thinks too much at the end of games. You know, you look at the times when he's made big plays at the end of games, 
it's when it's just in the flow of the offense um, where he's, he's not having to stand at the top of the key for 15 seconds while the shot clock goes down and then he puts up a, an off-balance shot. He normally hits his game winners and things like that when he's just in a flow and doesn't have to think. So, you know, not having a crowd there and not having all those distractions, that may play into the fact where he's like, no, I'm not going to switch and hide on defense. I'm going to take that challenge because I'm not worried about what the 20,000 people are going to think if Kawhi does score. It's just me and him in a gym and I'm going to stop him and he's going to try and score on me. Yeah, absolutely. And I reckon that the um, the noise from the media... What I, Another thing that really was evident in that game and I was hoping would be the case is it meant something to these guys. Yep. It's, it's the first game back after a long break. It could have easily been a feel game, you know, see how, you, how you're going... Don't play the starters big minutes. Both these teams are going to make playoffs. It's not an issue whatsoever. But it was like, no, 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 no. This We want to get one up on these guys so that the next time we meet them, they remember, you know, we've heard all the noise about it's going to be, everyone wants it to be the Western Conference Finals. And and that was evident that there was a bit of feeling in that game, which is which is always makes for a better game. You know, these guys off, yeah. off the court can be mates and everything, but on that on that court, um, you know, you've you got to want it. And... And that was evident. And I think you're right. I think the the fact that there was was no crowd there, it, it sort of I don't know, might have g'd those guys up a bit more. That you know, I've got to, I've sort of got to bring our own energy here. And and um, yeah. you know, what what better way to do that and inspire your teammates than do it on the defensive end? You know, that that leads to good offense when when you see guys who are giving it their all on the defensive end and getting stops and getting deflections. That just pumps you up that much more to to get in the other end and, and put the ball in the hoop. So. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a great game. For a first game back, um, and isn't it funny, LeBron and Kawhi didn't have maybe statistically their most efficient games, but they're still better than 99% of the rest of the league. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's just insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're on another level, those two. And you're right, yep. it did mean something to them because predictably um, the Lakers had a letdown game today against the Raptors. Um, I was just watching that game before I come on here and you just tell in that fourth quarter they're just, you know, you could just tell they were flat. They obviously had built themselves up for that Lakers-Clippers game. That put that put them six and a half games ahead of the Clippers in the second seed. So naturally, they're not too worried about losing the number one seed yep. anymore. So, you know, they had one of those letdown games. And your boy, Kyle Lowry, I think he took another two or three charges. So hey. extended <laughs> lead in the most charges. I saw he had a, like 13, 33 points and 14 assists or something too. Like he had yeah, a pretty, pretty nice... Nice game. That's funny. Mr. Yep. Charge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so we might move on to the, the offensive exhibition of day two of the start-up, the Rockets versus Dallas. Um, this was a game, if you like defense, that you would have switched off in the first quarter. <laughs> but if you like offense, it was a dream. So what was uh, what were your takeaways from that game? Just insane, wasn't it? Like, it was just an offensive exhibition. Um, just... <laughs> Yeah, the the ease that people were scoring with um, was <laughs> insane, um, and they're probably two teams who can put the ball in the, in, the, in the bucket. You know, that's that's how they win games. They they score yeah. more than other teams. <laughs> they're not they're not built or designed to stop other teams as much as they are <laughs> to put the ball in the hole. So when you have got two yeah. teams like that, that you know, you're going to have the score <laughs> up there. I mean, to score like. Uh, I think it went to overtime, but to score like one fifty three and one forty nine or whatever the final score was is is like an all star yeah. game. Like, yeah. and that and that's when they're they're purposely not playing defense. So yeah, 
<laughs> when you have a game like that, you know, in the regular season. Uh, but I, I mean, for for anybody who um, doesn't, I guess, watch basketball all the time, or um, what sort of wants to learn about the game, or or, or you know, watch it for an entertainment purposes, you, you couldn't go, you couldn't show them a much better game than that one because it was entertaining. You know, these yeah. the, the points getting put up in in the. Um, in the way they were. And guys like Trey Burke, who didn't have a job a month ago, coming out and just <laughs> looking like the best player in the league. Like, yeah, that's just... right. Looking like Steph Curry. Oh, man. That was just insane. So, um, And then, you know, James Harden, nearly nearly a triple-double with 50. Russ, nearly a triple-double. Luca nearly a triple-double. Like, it was just... It was an offensive dream for... Yep. <laughs> for, for that side of the floor. As you said, if you wanted to watch a defensive game or... or, or any kind of defense, really, you would have turned it off very early um, because it's not the. It's not. It's not one you'd, you'd want to show young kids to learn defense, would you? You'd, you'd wouldn't no. focus on a game like that. Um, but what did you think of it? Yeah, it, it's funny. I was watching that game, and I, I felt like they almost conceded layups so that they could take the ball out of the net, run it up the floor, and get off a three. They almost thought, well, instead of trying to guard this and trying to get a defensive rebound, I'll let him score two, quickly take it out of the net, and then try to run up the floor and get a three, and that's one point better than the layup. Like, the ease of the way... like, And there's a, it wasn't obviously the whole game, but some of the time when they would drive into the paint and they just would do a, you know, just a quick little Euro step or, or something like that to get to the bucket, it... Uh, it was it was almost laughable at times at how easy it was because I'm sure these guys aren't that bad at defenders, but it's almost like the mindset of well, yeah, we'll, we'll concede the two and then we'll run it back up and hit a three, and um, rather than exert energy on the defensive end of the floor. But um, it was it was a statistical um, bonanza. Like I think KP <laughs> ended with about 33 or 34 points as well. Like there was just huge stat lines all across the board. Um, I think at halftime, they combined for 160 points, which was the most since 1990. So it was, um, yeah, for, from an offensive standpoint, it was really good. Probably the biggest takeaway I got from the game was down the stretch, like Dallas were in, they were a bit like um, the Pelicans, where they were in control of the game for probably 95% of it. But down the stretch, you could just tell the youth of KP and Luca shone through. Um, that they just don't know how to close our games quite yet. Um, and that's going to come with time and experience. And we're probably going to see that in the playoffs where generally they have to go through one or two years of, you know, not being able to close our playoff series and, and things like that to learn, you know, how how to control games and, and um, finish them off down the stretch. I think one of the stats was um, Lucas shoots, I think, 32%. Um, from the field in the last five minutes of close games, so you know that all that all comes with with experience. You know, still only 21 years old, um, but I think that was pretty glaring in that game. And I think it's that's that's a um, prelude to what we're going to see in the playoffs. I think I think we'll probably see that he'll have some some failures down the stretch, um, which is only going to help his development. And a guy like him, I think he'll fast track him. You know, he might only take one or two games. Um, in the playoffs that they don't close out the games and then he's able to do it from there on. It might not take a whole series or a whole another year, um, but you can just see that there's a gap in his game there. And the same with KP, because they haven't played 
in big games before. Uh, obviously, both have never made the playoffs and things like that. Um, and that's where you saw the experience of a guy like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, PJ Tucker, guys that have played a lot of playoffs, um, played in a lot of big games. They were able to to make the right plays down the stretch and in overtime to close that one out. But just James Harden, just I don't think we really appreciate just how skillful he is. You know, the way he can just draw fouls in just get defenders off balance and just score in so many different ways. Like, obviously, he's won his defense is horrendous because he doesn't try, but on the offensive yeah. end of the floor, he just can score in so many ways. He, he'd, he'd be someone you'd never want. Obviously, you'd never want to guard a guy like KD because of the height, but uh, you just I would foul out on, on James Harden in the first oh, quarter, I reckon. He yeah. just gets you off balance, and just as soon as you make just a millimeter of mistake, he draws the foul. Yeah. Like, as soon as your feet aren't in the right place or you reach in just a little bit, bang, foul, and he's going to the line. And he just he knocks down basically every single um, free throw that comes his way. So, yeah, very much a, an offensive exhibition that game. Yeah, I was just looking while you were talking. 49 threes versus 48 attempted. So, basically <laughs> 50 triples per team. You know, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, 50... They, <laughs> They both had about a hundred um, field goals, and fifty of them were three pointers. So wow, you, isn't you that know, just yeah. analytics to the T, isn't it? Oh yeah, wow, yeah. And I, th- I think you're it's right. Funny. I, think, I think the experience in the end was was the difference. Um, the, the the last pl- couple of plays in the stretch, Dallas looked terrible. They yeah. just, they were horrible sets. I don't know. I don't know if that's what. Surely that's not what, what was designed because they were so poor. If that's the case, and. I'd, I don't think Rick Carlisle is that bad of a coach. I think he would have drawn up something a bit better. But And then you look at the other end, and the Rockets were like, get the ball in the Harden's hand, you know, get the ball in Russ's hand. Let's let's do the, you know, let's let's play through these guys and just the experience. Um, when it went to overtime, yeah. in my view, it was done. They're, Dallas yeah. aren't winning this game, not in overtime. Um, and it's funny, I just looked at the moment. Dallas will be playing Clippers in the first round at the moment if things end up where they are. So that would be a very big wake-up call for... For Luca to have to go against, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in his first playoff series. What what a way to learn. Yeah. That's right, exactly. I'm straight to the top, eh? Yeah, yeah. So, very entertaining game to watch. Um, and as we said, two teams that, that are built to put the ball in the hole, that's what they did. So, it was that's just it. who could do it the best and, and the experience shone through in the end. Yep. Because um, they don't have the crowd during the breaks in games, they're putting up like um, shot chart diagrams and things like that. Oh, yeah, and they showed yeah. one of James Harden in the fourth quarter, um, his shot chart for the game, and it's like I think he was like five of six from from layups, like zero to five feet, and then he had like one shot from five to ten feet, and then no shots. Um, by um, like 10 to 15 no shots 15 to 20 and then the rest are all threes like it's basically layups or threes and that's it it's like it's amazing how analytics have just taken over the Houston Rockets yeah it's insane isn't it it is yep. yeah it's just it's so many threes I mean you look at their um, I remember they had this they had this thing I think it came out during the um, the last dance documentary where they had like the 90s basketball um, like those hotspot charts and it's yep. all mid all mid range is where all the color is and then it showed like the game today and it's like all around the arc like yep. that's where majority of the of the shots are taken it's just 
it's like chalk and cheese. It's so different. <laughs> it certainly is. You would never, you you wouldn't get a hundred threes taken in a game between two oh. teams for an entire season back then. Like no, and it's it's amazing. It. It's amazing how many of them, not that long ago, we would have said that is a bad shot. That's a really yeah. bad shot. Like that's yep. su- you'd be dragged. That's such a bad shot. Come and sit down the bench. Like that's that's not on. Whereas yep. now they're so common that they practice them so much that it's almost like it's as good a shot as driving in for an open mid-range jumper. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's amazing. They almost, in, they almost get in trouble if they don't take the shot. Yeah. Like that's what we want you to do. We want you to get that up. Like, you know, sometimes they just dribble up the court and no passes, shoot a three. So yeah. that, that was sacrilegious, the one and done. Like yep. now it's like, no, that's what, that's what we want. We just want to shoot, 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 get as many up as we, if we shoot, I think Dan Tony said in last year's playoffs, We'll go out there, we'll shoot 53s, hopefully we'll make 25 of them and we'll win the game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's such a simple game plan. It's like just oh. get up as many threes as you can and I hope that the, the stats will yeah. take over. The percentage will take care of itself. And there's so much of that ISO dribble, dribble, dribble on in the same spot and then step back another... You're already behind the three-point line, but you're stepping back another metre and throwing something up. Like it... it yeah. It is such what an old school coach would say is a bad shot, yeah. but it's just it's just the way the teams play these days. It's it's yep. you know that's that is a good shot, according to you know the analytics and what wins and things like that, and and that's why obviously Houston's tried to build this team to just be a three point shooting you know yep. tank that just gets them up and yeah. as you say you, you hit a certain amount that magic number and and you win games. Yep. Yeah. It's funny, Bo, um, that Bobon um, got into the game for a bit, and it's just—it's like watching high school kids try to box him out. Like <laughs> you got a six foot seven PJ Tucker or Daniel House trying to box him out, and he's just leaning over them and grabbing the rebound, yeah. and then just like laying it in. It's just, it's, I saw someone try three. And they airballed it, and he just reached over yep. whoever was boxing him out. And I thought, wow, <laughs> he's in perfect oh. boxing position. It's like that doesn't even matter. Oh man, it won't be long yeah. until Boban's you know in the corner shooting threes. You know the way the big game goes yep. these days. Be like, like bowl bowl. If he wants to prolong his career, he's got to got to add the three ball. That's just what what that's, big guys need to be able to do these days. <laughs> yep, you can't get a job in this league if you can't shoot threes. Nope, nope. So. Um, the last game I thought we would cover was a big one in, in regards to the playing tournament in the West um, for the eighth seed. It's Portland versus Memphis. Obviously, Memphis being the eighth seed and Portland um, trying to um, get to that, that playing um, game. So what were your takeaways from that one? Yeah, I don't know if I came into it watch with the, with the wrong mindset um, that I... Because uh, I want the Pelicans to be in either a playing tournament or in the eighth eighth seed, as we've, we've mentioned on a, on a pod in the, pa- in the past. Um, and I also wouldn't mind the Blazers being there as well, just because, um, you know, Dame had, had made comments about wanting to play the Lakers and, and things like that. So um, so I think I came into it hoping that, A, the Blazers would win, um, particularly because, you know, the Pelicans lost their game, their first game back. Um, but I was sort of like, oh, this just isn't, isn't very good, you know. At the start, I was sort of trying to warm up to it. CJ McCollum got going early, and but I think as the game went on, um, I, I started to enjoy it more, and particularly down the stretch. You know, Melo was 
old school Mello. He was hitting a lot of yeah. very, very clutch threes. Two in the corner in a row, I think, or, or pretty much in a row that really sort of got them back into it. Because it looked like it was such a weird game because it looked like sort of the Rocket, uh, Rockets, the Blazers would, would come back to the to Memphis, then Memphis would kick away again. The Rockets would come back, then Memphis would kick away again. I thought, Memphis is going to win this and it's gonna they're going to end up with the eight seed and it's going to be really annoying. And, you know, again, the Blazers just down the stretch. Mello came to life. CJ McCollum kept hitting some some tough shots and Dame sort of came, came alive late as well. Um, and Big Nurk was... Just causing all sorts of problems down low. Um, so mm. and ended up being a really good game down there. I really enjoyed it um, and got the result that, that we needed to, to keep the playing tournament uh, alive. Um, what did you think about it? Yeah, it, it was funny because obviously there'd been a lot of talk about Portland getting back um, Collins and Nurkic and um, what they could do with a fully healthy squad. So I probably expected them to win... Um, just based on that, um, so I was surprised at how um, how well Memphis played and, and looked like they were going to win the game for most of it. Um, and a bit of that's probably to do with they haven't um, Paul they haven't played together like that for so long. Um, so you know could possibly um, get a lot better. Um, but yeah, I was probably didn't um, they didn't impress me as much as I thought they would by having all those those players come back. Um, but with the eight games, if they do end up getting to that playing tournament, um, you know, they may be a lot better. But certainly, you know, if they were to make the playoffs, I don't think they're going to make any sort of noise based on how they played in, in game one. Um, there's certainly, you know, huge scope for improvement there. Um, and it was, it was funny down the stretch, you know, for a guy like Mello who didn't have a job for half the season to hit those um, two big threes. Uh, I think he'd be feeling pretty good about himself today. Um, you know, you can't you can't buy experience, um, and you can't you can't buy um, big buckets like that down the stretch. So you know, he's he's repaid the faith that Portland showed at him just in that game. Because I think if they had lost that game, um, it would have been really difficult for Portland. I think to um, get to that plane. So I think they kept their sort of hopes alive, and now. Um, we'd be interested to see how they go. Um, the next one, I think it's on Tuesday, the Memphis play the Pelicans. So that's the other Ooh, really right. big game for that, that yeah. play-in. Um, so I think Pelicans have to win that one if they if they um, are any chance. So they'll be watching that one um, very closely, I think. So um, I thought one of, the, um, one of the other topics that was funny of that... Um of the Blazers and, and Grizzlies game was, I reckon there was about six taunting technical fouls called in that game. There was, yeah. and it was, it was these, the, the, the lesser guys, the, the Collins and the Clark, I think his name is from, um, from Memphis, dunking and, 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 you know, staring each other down. And I was just like, wow, this is going to end up with like people ejected because they're going to get multiple taunting technicals. That's right. And they're, they're obviously hot onto that stuff early, aren't they? they oh, yeah. The message. Because some of them, you know, I think there was one where someone hit a three, um, and I, I couldn't hear what they—they they might have said something that was a lot worse. But their their hand gestures was just like they just put the three symbol up type of thing. Didn't look much in it. Um, so whether he said something that was a lot worse, but I thought, geez, there's not a lot in that. But they're obviously trying to really send a message with no crowds there. They don't want that sort of stuff to get out of hand where they think, well, 
there's no crowds and no cameras and things like that, we can be like you would on the on you know if you're down at the park and you start to get real carried away with yourself. Yes. Maybe they're yeah, trying to point. send a message to say you know just settle down, guys. We we still got a lot of kids watching and you know we want to be sending the right message that we don't want to we don't want to humiliate humiliate our teammates because they've obviously done a lot of work in the last ten years to really stamp that that side of it out where. You know, we, we're happy for people to play with emotion, but we don't want to belittle people. Like we don't want them dunking on them and basically standing over them and belittling and humiliating their opponent. Yeah, and it all comes back to that people watching, doesn't it? You, you don't want yeah. kids to see someone score on someone and, and get in their face and you know, carry on because what does the kid do? Well, monkey see, monkey do. They go and do the same yeah. thing. So it's there's nothing wrong with playing with emotion. There's heaps of... I mean, Patrick Beverly plays more emotion than the rest of the league put together <laughs> yeah. um, you know and, and norm, most of the time can, can can keep it under control um, and still still be the pest that he is um, so there's, there's a difference between that and I just found it funny because it was these it was not the stars doing it it was that next level yeah. down and that's that's when I find it sort of funny like come on now like it's just you know I, know I know you haven't played in a while and you you know probably need to let your competitive juices you know flow out a bit but um, let's just keep it a bit <laughs> Bit under control here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been funny. There's been some odd um, performances, like out of the box performances from from lesser players. Like you mentioned, Trey Burke obviously went off in that game, but um, today TJ Warren for, oh. for um, the Indiana Pacers, a 53 piece, you know, a guy that you know got um, traded from Phoenix for cash consideration, <laughs> you know, not even a player. And he comes yeah. out and goes for fifty three. I think he hit. I think he was nine of eleven from three. Like just shot out of this world. So you know, it's a, it, there's going to be some strange things in this bubble. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, twenty of twenty nine from the field. Like, wow, that's that is an efficient fifty point game. <laughs> yep. If you had have told me that Trey Burke and TJ Warren would be out playing Kawhi and LeBron over the first couple of days, I would have told you you're crazy, but uh, yeah, the bubble's going to throw up. On the flip side, Joel Embiid had 41 and 21 on 15 of 23. You would, If you heard that number, you'd think they'd won every day of the week. 41 100%. points, 21 rebounds, shooting you know, 65% from the field, and they lost. Like It's just... Wow. <laughs> Yeah, the bubble is doing things to, to people. It, it is, it is. Uh, I wonder. Uh, I didn't get to see that um, that game. How did Ben Simmons play? I haven't seen it yet, um, but he had nineteen and 13, 19 points, thirteen rebounds. Um, I'm just trying okay. to look to see if he see if he got any three pointers up. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> ah, Benny. Yeah. Oh, well, that's um, not a bad stat line for for first time playing the four. So yeah, and, nineteen and thirteen. I mean, you got forty-one and twenty-one from Joel, thirty from Tobias Harris, and nineteen and thirteen from Ben, and they lost. Like you would not. Yep. Well, TJ, you, I mean, no, the TJ no one else did much. No one else did much at all, really. Um, yeah. Al Horford didn't do a, a great lot off the bench. Um, yeah, TJ just. <laughs> Coming to life and yeah, making the bubble his. That's it. Be taking Victor's spot in no time. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, didn't didn't expect to see something like that happen. Um, and even another game today, the Thunder blew out the Jazz. Absolutely smashed really? them. Yeah. See, they're a, yeah. they're a dark horse, aren't they? Like they they were playing some good basketball before it all shut down. 
They yep. could um, they could do something in the first round. Yeah, they. I think what I like about them is they've got like they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players in double figures. So no one really had a no one had more than twenty, but they've got like one, two, three. Yeah, well they've got eight between um, ten and twenty. Like so, you know when, when you've got that sort of spread of points, it's you can be dangerous. You can definitely be dangerous. I still wonder about like down the stretch in a close game, who I mean you. you Probably going to Chris Paul to try and you know close close a game for you, but um, it's obviously not the same as having a LeBron or you know one of those sort of bigger players who you know you can give the ball to down the stretch. But yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna surprise some teams, that's for sure. Yeah, I think you might be right there. I'm just looking at the schedule over the next couple of days. We've got some um, we've got some good games coming up. I'll be interested tomorrow. You've got the Bucks versus Houston, so two very contrasting styles there, defense versus yeah. offense. So it'd be interesting to see who comes out on top in that one. Um, and then Tuesday's the Memphis Pelicans game. That, that's huge. That's that's massive for the to get that eight seed play in. Yep. Um, what else have we got throughout the week there? Um, so the Lakers play the Thunder on Thursday, so... That'll be a good test test for them um, to see how they they match up there. And then it's pretty much all sort of normal normal stuff for the yeah, rest of the week. So um, any sort of games yeah. with the Wizards or Brooklyn or anything in it, are, are, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> they should just they should put them all on at the three a.m. time slot, so they don't yeah. have to worry about it. So. Yeah, yeah, it's funny when you when you look and you say, "Oh, four a.m." You know, tomorrow is like the Wizards versus Brooklyn. I'm like, "Yep, thank goodness I won't be up yeah. at four a.m." <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. So, I will um we'll, uh, we'll have to discuss those games um, next week on the pod to see. So, yeah, that that Pelicans game versus Memphis, it's, uh, we we want that one. That's that's the one we want to get this playing tournament up and going. So what are we, Absolutely. 15 days from the start of the playoffs, 17th of August, I think it all, all goes down. So it's been a good opening weekend and uh, yeah, I think it's only going to get better and better. What um, Your boy, Joakim Noah, got in the game. He played some meaningful minutes. What did he you did. think of his game? He did. Um, I mean, he's been out of the, he hasn't played in a while. Um, so I think sort of conditioning-wise, he looked all right. But he, to me, he looked a bit... Um, lost out there, particularly on the offensive end. Um, I mean, he's a big body who who can set a screen and and um, things like that and, and rebound, and that's pretty much what he's there for. He's not there for anything else really. Um, but I mean, when he was matched up on AD, AG just murdered him. He just, I think, joking forgot sort of you know you've been out for a while and you come back that these big guys aren't just banging down low anymore. You know, they're stretching the floor and and these sorts of things. Um, he had one, I must admit, there's one play I think AD spun towards the ring and he stripped it and then um, he went run down the middle of the lane and Paul George passed him and then he kicked it out for a corner three and I think oh, I can't remember who it was but someone whoever it was hit the corner three and I was like that's the old joke him running the break in the Bulls days when he used to you know get his five assists a game sort of thing you know because he's got that yep. passing ability um, but I don't think he, I don't know if he played today I didn't look um, but they did blow out the Pelicans so he might have might have got a few minutes but I think now he's, I think now he's <laughs> his record against LeBron now I think he's 18 and 4 as in, he's on the he's the four. LeBron's the eighteen. So wow, no no wonder a gig doesn't like him because he just loses to him all the time. Yeah, gee, that's tough in that. Yeah. That's a bit like um, I think KD was five and seventeen against him before he left for Golden State. Like, 
And I, yeah. I can't imagine what um, guys like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan's record are against him. Oh, those, those playoff series when LeBron was in the East, it was like every <laughs> single year. They'd be the best team in the in the regular season and they just get swept every single year by yep. LeBron. Like it was, they're, they're the, they're the modern day bulls of that couple of year period when the, the, the Cavs or the Heat kept knocking out the bulls when LeBron was there. Yep. That's right. It's, That's probably uh, why Kyle Lowry is uh, so up and about for today. He, uh, he's trying to get some revenge back. Yeah. Well, at least try and get your, your numbers a bit more even, eh? So even if you don't, yeah. you don't bet him when it counts, you can say, oh, at least I was still nearly 500 against him, you know, in the grand scheme yeah. of things. <laughs> Yeah, and the history books will look Could a lot try. better. Yeah, that's it. That's it. No, it's um, it's good to have basketball back. It is. We've got a big week ahead of us, so we'll uh, we'll keep across all the games and uh, come back in a week's time and um, dissect the big ones. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, mate. Thanks uh, as always for your time, and thanks to those who have listened. Um, let us know what games you've enjoyed um, on our Facebook, and um, yeah, we'll. Uh, We'll be back next week to um, talk about the, the, the big games from, from this week.